The following was recorded live as part of homeschool.com's 2005 homeschooling teleconference. To order additional recordings, visit www.homeschool.com or send an email to orders at homeschool.com. Thank you very much for being with us. As you can tell, it's a very um, active audience. We're really interested in what you have to say and so grateful for your time. My pleasure. So thank you very much for being here with me. And I made fun of your name in the last interview. I knew you wouldn't mind. Uh, you probably have never made as much fun of anybody's name as I've made of my own. <laughs> That's one of the ways I remembered you and you'd, you'd introduce yourself as, yes, my name is John Asraf, and yes, unfortunately, my name does begin with ASS. <laughs> so I didn't want to be forever after that. A lot of fun when I was a kid. They used to call me ass and a half. And one of the ways I trained my children early on to uh, not be worried about it is I told them exactly what happened and how I dealt with it. And they've been having a blast with it. So. Of course, um, I really enjoyed your book, uh, The Street Kid. I found it to be very um, helpful on on you know, in- interesting information about how successful people succeed, uh, interesting information about the brain and how it works and how you can get it to work for you. I'm also fascinated with your history. Rather than me giving your biography, I mean, you have such incredible successes. Can you um, tell us a little bit about some of your business success and how you were able to learn these secrets and apply them in your own life? Sure, I can. I can talk about the business success. But I think. I think of uh, of importance of maybe of interest to the people listening is maybe where I started and and what happened to allow me to turn my life around and thereby building some pretty good companies. From the age of 13 um, to 18, I was involved in street gangs, and uh, that's where the title for my book, The Street Kids Guide to Having It All, came from. Uh, and I was I was blessed with some wonderful mentors. Uh, I guess I was considered a very bright kid, and for the most part, ADD. Um, and so they wanted to put me on Ritalin, which my parents did not allow, which I thanked them for. I was very, very bored as a child. I was very quick, but very bored. Uh, my father uh, drove a cab. My mother worked at a local uh, department store, and so... Neither of them went to school. They were born in Morocco and Romania, and when they were very young, they moved to Israel, which is where I was born. So my mind was, was consistently challenged to asking questions that they didn't have the answers to, so I was very, very frustrated. But when I was around 18 years old, I met a mentor uh, who really saw more potential in me than, than I ever knew I had. And he started really teaching me about, about the brain. He started teaching me about the universe. He started teaching me about how to build companies. And I started to apply what he taught me, because one of the things that he used to tell me, he says, you know, John, it's not about information, it's about application of information. He said, if it was about information, he said, we'd have lineups at all the libraries. And so I became fascinated with how to achieve success. My, my parents used to fight all the time about, about the lack of money in our home. And I remember feeling insecure and insignificant when I was uh, in my teens. Um, just, I just remember that feeling, low self-esteem. Uh, I looked good on the outside, but felt terrible on the inside. And he started to teach me about the brain and, and the different uh, faculties of mind and teaching me about the intellectual factors, conscious and non-conscious, and really how that played a part in how I felt about myself, but more importantly, what, my, what it did to my perceptions and my behavior. And by following his advice early on and by remaining a student of neuroscience or brain research uh, and quantum physics, which really is the study of uh, uh, subatomic particles, things you can't see with your eyes physically, but we know exist, I was able to apply that information to build several companies. Uh, one company that I, I own today, uh, most people know the name Remax. I own the, the rights to Remax in the state of Indiana. We have uh, 75 real estate offices there with 1,600 salespeople. Another company that uh, I built using uh, Understanding the Brain uh, and some other things is Bamboo.com, uh, which we uh, grew from 0 to $25 million a year in, uh, in revenue in the first year. And then we took it public on NASDAQ is one of the fastest IPOs in NASDAQ history um, by applying some of the principles we're going to talk about today. So I've had some good successes in, in business by understanding what drives perception and human behavior. And because, Rebecca, there's nothing more important in my life than my two sons, Keen and Noah, I am doing this to help the moms and the dads who are listening to understand how at a very young age you can begin to wire your child for success. You can begin to understand the advances in neuroscience are just mind-boggling today, and what we're able to do in the human brain that affects behavior, that affects perception. When I give you some of the statistics, I think we'll have some jaws drop, uh, and so we can get into it from there. So I know a little bit about human performance and about getting people to do uh, what we want to do, but I've been applying and teaching my children what we're going to talk about uh, for eight and ten years, respectively, 
And from a scholastic perspective, uh, they're both two to three grades ahead of every other child in their class. Um, and the way they view the, the world because of the way they've been conditioned uh, is very, very different than a lot of children today. And I, um, I know that your message is a labor of love for you. You've been able to retire financially because of your business success. Right. And now you've been spending your time kind of helping adults um, have success in their own lives and then also uh, helping us raise our children so that they can a- avoid the school of hard knocks and it's kind of setting them up for success so that they can learn what they want to learn and do what they want to do. Yeah, it's, it's, that's really it. It's, it's a, a way for me to give back to society. I've spent the last six of the last ten years I've been retired, and I've spent it in research and in application of research, doing studies around the world with individuals by helping them apply the information. And so I can only, I can only speak of the results because that's what I'm really interested in. I think anybody on this call saying, you know what, uh, we know where to find great information, but how do we apply it and how is it relevant today? And that's really what we'll talk about is, now, of course, is this information, does it only work with gifted children, or can any child be trained to succeed? Uh, any child. Gifted children uh, have got just as many challenges as other children do. They just uh, don't show up in the same form uh, format. Uh, when we're talking about what the brain is capable of doing, it is mind-boggling. There's a gentleman in Philadelphia named Glenn Doman who wrote a book many years ago called Teach Your Baby How to Read. And he was really one of the first to work with uh, mentally challenged uh, children and was able to get them to do incredible things. Um, and uh, so he's just brilliant. So it's, it's, not, it's not just a, a gift to children. This is, this is just any individual that has a brain. You can, you can wire the brain um, beautifully. So let's, let's hop into some of the... It, and I know you're going to give us some uh, complex information. Bear in mind that we've been on the, um, the phone for four hours now. <laughs> I'll just try and say it in a riveting way that people just won't want to put the phone down. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> simplify it because your material is so important. Simplify it as much as you can. Yep, and I'll also try to simplify it and repeat it so that our listeners are, are taking notes, too. And that's so helpful, too, listening to it and then writing it down. And then we can talk about how to apply it. Right. Okay, so, so go ahead and launch then, please. Well, the, the first thing to understand is, is that there's, there's two parts of, of our brains, and we're really understanding the second part much better now. And there's the, there's the conscious part of our brain, and then there's the non-conscious side of our brain. And what we know is that the conscious part, which has six intellectual conscious functions and three non-conscious functions associated with it, um, really is only responsible for about 2 to 4% of our perceptions and behavior. And there's this subconscious, as they used to call it, or non-conscious, one and the same, it represents about 80, 83% of our human brain, 83%. But it's responsible for, for about 96 to 98% of all of our perceptions and behaviors. And so if that is the case, how come there isn't anybody talking about how do we program that non-conscious side of the brain that's much more powerful than the conscious side? And that is really the, the beginning of what I've looked at is, is how do we train a child um, so that they are working automatically at a non-conscious level at seeing the things they need to see to achieve the goals they want to achieve, but also in behaving the way they need to behave automatically in ways that will line up with whatever goal that is that they want to achieve, whether it's an A in school or a grade point average or any other behavior. Is and this so, non-conscious the same as subconscious? Yes, it is. Non-conscious, okay. subconscious are the same. You've okay. got, um, so conscious, conscious is... Um, uh, we're aware of what we're saying and what we're doing. Right. And then subconscious are sometimes those messages that we're kind of talking to ourselves. Yeah, that, that happens at a non-conscious level. Um, but specifically, if you think about genetics, nature versus nurture, what we know from a genetics perspective is that we pick up about 50%, 40 to 50% of our genetic or hereditary pre, uh, predispositions or propensities from our parents and our, and our heritage. That means that a full 50% or so is left up to verbal programming, visual programming, and experiential programming. And so what we are taught by our parents, which is their very best, is what we learn. And once that's reinforced over and over again, it becomes non-conscious in nature, and we behave and act in line with that non-conscious programming, just like our parents or our teachers or our siblings. So, for example, if we say, I can't, or I'm fat, or I'm stupid, it all becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely. What happens in the brain is once the brain is wired or conditioned to a belief, we'll talk about the power of beliefs and what it really is in the brain. 
is once we have a belief, once we are conditioned, your brain's responsibility is to search in what we call an out there, in the real world, a match for what's in the imprint of the brain, or what, what, is, what the brain is wired to, to see and behave like. And we drop from our field of vision 99.9% of the information that's coming in through our senses. So this is why um, positive affirmations and positive self-talk and catching our children being good, doing what we want them to do, why this is all so important, because that's actually physically wiring our brain Absolutely. in that particular manner. Absolutely. We're going to talk a little bit about brain plasticity and what that really is. We have about 100 billion brain cells or neurons in, in our brain that are capable of trillions and trillions of connections. Every time a connection is formed through, let's say, an affirmation or an experience or through what we call mirror neurons, brain neurons that mimic behavior that they see, every time that's reinforced, we reinforce what we call a neural network in the brain that once it's reinforced over and over and over and over again, it becomes automatic. And what that means is that we seek the information in our external world to match the wiring of our brain. Which I suppose is why it's so important to develop good habits. Absolutely. It's, it's critical to develop good habits. Now, some of them are going to be uh, hereditary-based. Uh, you're just going to pick up some habits from your parents or grandparents and, and your lineage. But others you can actually develop in a child through repetition, <clears throat> through affirmation, through repetition, through visualization. Well, we know when we get a child to visualize why uh, visualization and creativity is so important is the brain, the non-conscious side of the brain, doesn't know the difference between an actual event that you have experienced and one that you make up in your mind. It doesn't know the difference. So we could take any behavior that we want a child to achieve and get them to visualize it, get them to affirm it, get them to repeat it, and that child within about 30 to 40 days will start behaving in line with that new vision or belief or affirmation. Of course, now, a lot of athletes athletes use visualizations. They see themselves making the shot. They see themselves getting the gold medal. I suppose this is no different for us then. It's absolutely no different for us. The difference with with adults is that we have to change our minds. The beauty with children is we just have to help them make theirs up. So the quality of the information backed by the experience and repetition will yield what we call a belief. Beliefs are nothing more than a neuro pattern or a neural circuitry in the brain. Beliefs are not the truth. But once we have a belief that we reinforce, it becomes habitual. Once that's reinforced some more, it becomes at the level of a conviction. And at that level, we'll actually kill each other. I'm just going to stop you here, John, because this is so much good information. I don't want people to get overwhelmed. So what you're saying, too, is, for example, we want our children to visualize what they uh, want to happen. Absolutely. If you if you want your child to do well in school, visualize them doing well. Have them visualize themselves doing well in school. If you want them to visualize to do well in sports or in or in or in any event, have them visualize it over and over and over again. They will be creating the neural networks that we can actually measure. We can actually see these cells connecting, forming these neural networks in the brain now, using brain scan imagery. And so the beautiful thing about about you don't you don't even have to leave your home. With you my own <clears> children, <throat> I have them set their intentions especially when they're scared about something. My daughter was recently um, playing the part of Wendy in a musical called Peter Pan, mm-hmm. and she was a little nervous about it. I said, okay, honey, now set your intentions. You tell me what's about to happen. So then she says, okay, you know, I was a little nervous starting out, but then I calmed myself down, and I went out there, and I remembered my lines, and I sang great, and I was loud enough, and people really enjoyed it, and at the end of the performance, I felt so proud of myself, and I really had a good time. Right, and so if like you, you said, sure enough, that kind of happens. Right. Well, if you, if you think about it, see, I'm interested in why that happens so it's duplicatable. And that's what I've done with employees and salespeople and, 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 and anybody in our companies is help them understand why what you're asking them to do is so important. But if we take a look at or if we understand what happened, you initially created what we call cells of recognition in her brain. So you got her to see herself being in that position. And once you do that, there are certain things in the brain, certain systems of the brain that start to get conditioned to already having done that, even though you haven't done it yet. And whenever we are about to do something new that we're not accustomed to, a lot of times doubts, fears, and anxiety set in, not because of the actual event, but what, uh, what happens neurologically is that chemicals are released in the brain any time we're out of our comfort zone. 
anytime we're out of our comfort zone. I heard a lady just when I was getting on the call talking about taking her child to kindergarten. And one of the things that I highly recommend is before you take your child to do anything new that they could potentially feel stressed out about, you visualize them having done it three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten times. So when you actually do it, their stress hormones won't be released in the brain, cause them to cling on to you ah. and be afraid. There's something called a cybernetic mechanism in the brain um, that picks up any deviations from any of our comfort zones. Humans love comfort zones. And so we could be miserable but comfortable. But once we rewire the brain to a new reality, then these stress hormones are not released, neurotransmitters are not released, causing us to feel the doubts or the fears or the anxiety, which then reverts us back to feeling like we want to get back to safety. We interviewed Robert Kiyosaki last yeah. week, and he said one of the reasons his cash flow games is so effective is because the, you, you get used to um, dealing with these large numbers. Your brain doesn't recognize or realize that it's just a game that you're playing, and so you get comfortable making these financial decisions, dealing with large numbers, uh, you know, and, and pa creating passive income in your life. I think that's brilliant. Right, and so again, what, what I've studied is, is what's happening. Why is, what, what do we know about the brain that can really get us to consciously make the right decisions to help our children, to help our employees, to help whomever? So we're going to have our child visualize what they want to have happen several times so that when they do encounter that new or stressful situation, the brain does not release those chemicals. Right, so what you want trigger certain responses. Right, you can you can create an affirmation about it. You can you can get excited about it. If if we're talking about kindergarten or, or better grades or sports, you can have them say positive affirmations. I am so glad now that I'm getting A's in school. I'm so glad school is so easy for me. The affirmation my children have been using for eight and ten years respectively is I'm a genius and I use my wisdom daily. I'm a genius and I use my wisdom daily. I've had them say that affirmation every morning and every night before they go to bed, every day for, you multiply 10 years, 3,650 days in one case. And I understand that you need to say it with conviction and emotion. Absolutely. When you, when you, when you say it with emotion, what you do is, again, you're, you're getting more chemicals involved in the brain. And there's a, there's a saying in the brain research field that says the neurons or the brain cells that fire together get wired together. And so when you add emotion to it, you're, you're doing a lot of wonderful things in the brain that gets you to really believe it a lot more versus just saying it very ho-humly. Now, you mentioned a brain plasticity. Yeah. So how can we use this to help our children develop? Well, again, brain plasticity um, is the connections that are made between cells in the brain. And we have 100 billion cells capable of storing up to about 6, 7 million volumes of the USA today to give you an idea of the capacity. So we're limitless. Every single one of us is a genius. Every single one of us. And so what brain plasticity does is it allows us to create these neural networks in the brain, and we can self-induce them through knowledge, acquiring more knowledge, acquiring more experiences, visualizing, seeing ourselves in the situations that we want to see ourselves in. And we have the ability to create these neural networks or, or using brain plasticity at lightning speed just by really thinking and really getting our creative genes working simultaneously with any experience that we're involved in. And so the more emotion, the more creativity you're after, the more fun you have, the more, um, the more excited you are when you're doing something, the easier it is for these brain neurons to connect. So we've and, been told that it takes 21 days to make a new habit, and that's not true? Uh, it is true. It's actually um, the, the studies that came out of NASA, uh, NASA space program, they took a whole bunch of astronauts, and they put these convex glasses on them. And the convex glasses basically flipped their world upside down and they were measuring the effects of obviously having a world flipped upside down on their blood pressure, on their stress levels, on their stress hormones, et cetera, et cetera. And on around the 30, the 27th day with the first astronaut, his world flipped right side up again, which means that his brain rewired for a brand new reality. Everything flipped in his world right side up again. And, uh, and between the 27th day and around the 38th, 39th day, uh, that's when every one of the astronauts' brain rewired Okay, again, this is brain plasticity, uh, rewired for a brand new reality. The unfortunate part is when they took their convex glasses off, a lot of them just started to lose it because they were flipped over uh, upside down again, basically. And so, now, so it took 37 days for an adult. Is it even faster for a child to adapt? Um, I'm not sure about studies in children. I'm not aware of any studies they've done with children. Uh, but the beautiful thing about children, as I mentioned earlier, is because we only have to help them make up their mind, once their mind is made up, then somebody else has to undo it. 
Uh-huh. So I would imagine the adult brain would be much more wired than a child. Um, you know, 10, 20 years of experience of coming into the brain is, is pretty high. So I would imagine... And these belief they, systems that may not be benefiting us that we don't even realize that we have. Right, and that's why, you know, one of the things I talk to my children about health, I talk about money, I talk about spirituality, I talk to them about God, I talk to them about, about careers, and everything that we have implanted at a non-conscious level is that they can do anything that they choose. Yes. They can do anything they choose. There's a lot of things they don't know how to do, but there isn't anything that they can't do. And train them to, to never say, I can't, but instead right. to ask, how can I? Or, you know, I don't want to. That's really not of my interest. Or, 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 I, or I don't know how to show me how. And let me find out the way. Um, it's, it's absolutely critical. The language that we use is so critical. But even more important than the language is the behavior that they see. And that's one of the reasons, because of the mirror neurons, M-I-R-R-O-R, mirror neurons in the brain, they mimic behavior a lot faster than any of the other neurons that we have. And so we will tend to behave more like what we see than to do what is told or what is asked of us. Ooh, it's that old role model parenting you again. You got it. You got it. And so when, when you tell a child, you know, it's okay for me, but it's not okay for you, uh, that just doesn't work. They're getting a mixed signal, and they'll, tend, right. they'll, they'll tend to do what they see more than what... Uh, again, you've got to, uh, three-quarters of your brain is involved in visual, in, in your visual senses. Now, you three- talk about the various systems in the brain. So which one or two are critical for a child's success? Uh, I'm going to talk about two systems that are absolutely just brilliant to understand. Uh, one is called, it's a long name, and I'll, I'll really help you understand what it is and how to, how to program it. Um, it's called a psycho-cybernetic mechanism. That's P-S-Y-C-H-O, and then cybernetic, is that C-Y-B-E-R-N-E-T-I-C? Yeah, cybernetic, which cybernetic is just a control and response mechanism that occurs in animals and some machines. And what do I mean by that? Let's say you're sitting in your home right now, somewhere in the country or around the world, and you have your, your thermostat set at 70 degrees. And let's say we open up the window and very, very hot air comes in. The sensor on the thermostat would pick up a deviation from what the set program is. It would send a signal through the electrical system to the furnace to kick up the air. Very, very simple. That's a cybernetic mechanism. If cold air came in, then the heat would be kicked on. But well, we have something in our brain called a psycho-cybernetic mechanism that de- de- detects deviations from our comfort zone. This applies to school grades. This applies to dating. It applies to income. It applies to building companies. Does it, it apply applies- also to a person's weight? It applies absolutely to a person's weight. I wrote an article uh, last year um, called How to Lose All the Weight You Hate Keep It Off Forever. It was all about the psycho-cybernetic mechanism. You've got to remember... The outside results, whether it's your weight, whether it's your grade in school, whether it's your income, is directly proportionate to the inside programming. Nothing less, nothing more. The systems in your brain will keep you at the certain income or lack thereof, at the weight that you, that you like or dislike. And so I could take a look at somebody's, somebody's physique. I could take a look at somebody's bank account. I could take a look at somebody's grades, and I know how they've been wired. Because that's where their psychological thermostat is set. You got it. And there's a system called the psychosomatic mechanism that keeps you there. It's and then when just, they earn more money or less money or gain more weight or less month, uh, less weight, then their body right. changes behaviors are, to get it back to that balance of where its comfort is. You got it. Chemicals are released in the brain that cause you to revert back into safety and to have the doubts, the fears, and anxieties. And that's why most people don't really make a lot more money in a year. That's why most kids' grades stay about the same. That's why... Our, our insecurities stay the same. Is because once we are wired, then guess what? We're we're not stuck with it for life, but we have to un- unwire the mess. And that's a, again the system that we talk about is the psychosomatic mechanism. And so what we have to ask ourselves is, how do we reset the thermostat? How do we change? How do we alter our behavior? How do we alter our perceptions into a new reality? Yes. Yeah, so how how do we do that so we can allow? more income or abundance into our life or less weight or to, to read more or whatever it is. How do we rewire that? Well, there's, there's six or seven different ways. I'll talk about a couple of them. The best, one of the best ways and the easiest ways that doesn't involve any money because uh, we're now using technology to help us with that. So I, I use technology with all of my clients. 
to help them tap into a non-conscious level. But if you just, if you want to lose weight or you want your son or daughter uh, or grandchild to, to do better in school, one of the easiest and best ways is to have them, and I'm going to go back to visualize a new grade, visualize a new body. Uh. See that on the screen of your mind over and over and over and over and over. I can't tell you how many more times you need to do it, but I mean thousands of times you want to rewire what we call the neurological, at the neurological level of the brain. And so you just see yourself, if, again, if you want to lose weight, uh, see yourself at the next level or the new weight, the ideal weight that you want to be at. If you want your child to do better in school, have them see themselves better. So pretend, act as if they're already there over and over and over again. And what happens is you create a vacuum from where you are to where you're going to be. And your brain, again, doesn't know the difference between an actual event and something that you make up. And you that way you're getting comfortable with it. That's right. You're getting comfortable with it so that here's what happens. When you actually start to achieve that level of success in school or that level of weight or that level of income, you don't have any chemical releases in the brain that kick you back to your old ways of behaving. And instead it just feels natural. It feels natural because you've already been there a thousand times. Okay. That so visualizing is, is one way. Visualizing is one way. Affirmations are another way. Declarations or affirmations are another way. And so you affirm yourself. I, you know, again, I, I now love getting A's in school. I, I now love, you know, being at my ideal weight of X. You, you state them in the positive, but not when I will, that I can. Or I, I want to, because that just tense. creates a state of wanting. That's right. Or I will. That says your brain says, great, one day you will. So it's a positive statement that you affirm to yourself. Think about it. If you think about this formula for one minute, I plus E, that's I plus E, times R equals B. So it's information plus experiences times repetition equals beliefs. Oh, that's really good. I so, say that again for us. I plus E times, times R, R equals, equals B. B. So information, so think about this. You're a young child. You're getting information from who? From people you look up to, your parents, your teachers, your siblings. So it's information. So you assume it's the truth. As a matter of fact, at a young age, you don't even know the truth from, from non-truth. Or television shows, right. peers. Exactly right. And so if you add experience to that, either somebody else's experience or yours, then you repeat it over and over again, you start to believe it to be true. If you think about why advertisers pay so much money to advertise on TV and why they do it over and over and over again, because when you're in a bit of a trance when you're watching TV and they start to embed their message at a non-conscious level through repetition, through association, yes. you start to have a desire for it. That's why they do it. They are programming your children. My children are not allowed to watch more than a half an hour a day of television that they want and then any other educational show they can watch. Well, all of our any. experts seem to be saying the same yeah. thing, John. Half hour a day maximum. Uh, I let them play some games, uh, but they can watch uh, educational shows, funny shows, biography shows as much as they want. So information plus experience times, times repetition. repetitions becomes a belief. Right. Now, if we take beliefs plus experiences times repetition, we have a habit. Oh, really? B so plus E times R now. B plus E times R. Ah, and that's a habit. That's how you form a habit. Now, how long does it take you to teach your child how to tie their shoe? Well, it varies. It varies, but if we, it's not in a day. It takes, rep, it takes the information plus the experience, then they have the belief that they know how to do it, then they keep doing it, they, they develop the habit. Sure, riding a bike, any of that. That's right. It's a pretty simple formula. And so we have to make sure as parents that we have the best information and that we understand how the brain works, how the brain works in relation to perceptions and behaviors. And here's why I say perceptions and behaviors. You do not see with your eyes. Now, we're going to have people on the, on the, on the call right now saying, what, what is he talking about? Your eyes do not see. It's your brain that sees. The slits in the middle of your eyeballs only allow the information to be passed through. And the brain drops. We, there's about 11 million bits of information per second that's coming into our consciousness. 11 million. We are only aware of about 2,000. And we're only aware of what we are wired to be aware of. So if you believe, and again, I'll use finance, if you believe that there's a glass ceiling of how much you can earn, 
you will make sure that that's all that you see, and you'll make sure that that's the way you behave. So that becomes your reality. That becomes your reality. If you believe that your child has got challenges in learning, you're, you're going to create that and so will your child. I remember hearing an interview with a basketball star who says, uh, don't try, do, and then when he does shots, he doesn't just do 30 shots, he does 30 shots where he makes it. So his habit is making the shots. Well, that's, that's exactly right. Again, if we go back to one of the things we know to be factual is that your brain doesn't know the difference between something you imagine and something that you cre- that you actually experience. And so why not experience the best outcome, the most the most elaborate outcome that you can come up with over and over and over again, your brain will then go to work for you to make that happen. And practice and visualize what it is that you want, not what it is that you don't want. Practice, visualize, write down affirmations. That's how I cured myself of ulcerative colitis 25 years ago. I had severe ulcerative colitis, and uh, I, I start to study the brain, start to study psychoneuroimmunology, the, the mind-body connection. And there's, I mean, there's proof beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, that there's a, there's a mind-body connection. So Which we're is, talking about the, the systems in the brain right. and the two that are most critical for a child's success. We talked about the psychocybernetic and what we can use to, to train that and create those paths, like through visualization, affirmations, repetitions, becoming belief and habit. What is the uh, second system in the brain? second system in the brain that's, that's really uh, uh, of great use to anybody on the call and for children is something called the reticular activation system, or otherwise known as the RAS, reticular activation system. Let's spell that too. R-E-T-I-C-U-L-A-R, activation, A-C-T-I-V-A-T-I-O-N, reticular activation system. You got it. Okay. Now, if we went, I'll just give you the the, um, scientific side of it. If you went uh, right behind the eyeballs uh, and just the back of the brain, you you went down just a little bit, there's there's a little network-like group of brain cells the reticular cells. And what they do is they work 24 hours a day, seven days a week as your very own personal Google search engine. And what does that mean? Let's say that I'm in need of um, some assistance for, for my business, and I don't know where to go. I would, I would tell my brain, you know, this is very important to me. I'd like you to find this for me. Your reticular activation system will start to work on that immediately, and it works 800 times faster than your conscious neurons do. So you could be busting your butt trying to find something, and you don't really have to. You've got this other system in your brain that works 24-7 when you're sleeping, when you're awake, to find the information, either auditory, visually, uh, in a variety of different ways to find it. Because you said that our brain doesn't forget anything. Nothing. So it's all in there. So now we're going to use our reticular activation system as a Google to go and find out where it is and retrieve it. No, no, that's, that's not accurate. It's not all in there. It'll find in the external world, okay, what you need as well. So not only in your brain, because what you have in your brain is only limited to your own personal experiences and the knowledge you've accumulated thus far. But it can also attract then from outside yourself what it is that you want. Well, I'll give you two examples how this works. Let's say that you're at a party uh, and you really need some help uh, with a, a nanny or a babysitter. And you're having a discussion, and about 20 feet away or 10 feet away, there's somebody else talking about their son or daughter who is available for babysitting. Even though you were not paying attention to that conversation, you will turn around and be aware of what they were saying, walk over and say, did I just hear you say something about a babysitter? Think about it. In fact, that's all all happened to all of us, I'm sure. Absolutely. The other example that I use is imagine if, um, if you're responsible for making sure that the baby is fed tonight. Let's say you've got a baby. Uh, and you're in bed with your spouse, um, and the baby starts to cry. The person who's responsible has got this retic activation system on peak performance. They'll wake up while their spouse snores through the night or just stays in bed asleep. A fire fireman could be walking or driving by. You won't wake up. An airplane could be wa- uh, flying by. You wouldn't wake up. The first peep out of the baby, you're awake. That, alert is the, to it. that is the, the retic activation system. And so we can train our brain. See, part of the reason that you never want to say, I can't do that, and I, I don't, I, you don't want to do that because your brain then says, you can't do that, and it makes certain that you're right, and it finds ways to prove that to you. And so programming your brain for what it is that you want, the reticular activation system works on what you have on what we call the important list. So if you teach your child to be resourceful by saying, you know what, I may not have the answer, but my brain always figures it out, 
you can train train your brain to always figure it out for you. You can train your brain to always find the information. You can train your brain to do all of the hard work that you're so used to doing consciously. And this again is going to apply to uh, the adults listening to uh, to this call as well as how to train their children to use uh, two different systems in their brain to be able to help them. Now again, non-conscious mind is is so much more powerful than your conscious mind. Uh, these two systems are non-conscious in nature, but again, it's our brain, and we have to learn how to use them. We've got to understand that we never receive the owner's manual for the brain. I've heard uh, about people who, before they go to sleep, they ask about a question that they really want information about, and then they wake up with the answer. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of great things going on there um, you know, that, that we're not consciously taught how to do, but... There's, there's, there's two things that we're playing here, and I don't want to move into the quantum physics side because we're now getting into a quantum physics perspective as well, tapping into the, the universe's intelligence. Um, but again, we'll still need to use the brain to do that. So give us some more examples, if you would, John, how we can help our children use their reticular activation system. Um, decide every day what are two or three things that are the most important for you that you need answers to. And just give your brain a command that these two or three things are the most important for me and find the answers for me and then leave it alone. See, we're so used to working hard. We're so used to doing, 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 doing. We forget about being. And part of being is allowing the dance, the, the, the relationship between the intelligent universe and yourself. And when ideas then pop into your mind or answers pop into your mind, you know that you are actually playing with the universe, and the universe will bring you the answer. Your brain is nothing more than an electromagnetic switching station. It takes different frequencies, whether it's light, sound, touch, and it converts it into a language that we understand. And so it knows. It's, if you think about this, I'd like to just get people to think about this for just a moment. Right now, as we're on this call, every one of us is either digesting food, we're making new blood cells or brain cells, blood cells, we're making new um, uh, new liver cells. We're making new cells, all without thinking about it. Every one of my cells right now is going through 65,000 miles of blood vessels. We're losing 10 million cells a second, regaining 10 million more the next second. There's this intelligence that is driving us, that is keeping us alive, that's giving us life, that's giving our children life. That intelligence isn't separate from us. It's not separate from us. And so we have the ability to trust this intelligence to bring to us whatever it is that we need. But we haven't been taught to trust this intelligence. Every single one of our children has that. We have an intuitive factor that is so phenomenal. Intuition is nothing more than conscious awareness of vibration. That's what the meaning of intuition is, is knowing before thinking. Once we start to use our brain to think with and we put things through our, our internal filters, we are absolutely forgetting about our genius. We know when things are right. Women happen to have a much better intuitive factor than men do, for the most part. But we can hone that skill. I get my children to, to talk about it. I say, what do you feel? And I said, just make that decision. There's nothing to think about. I mean, trust your gut. Trust your gut. That's your intuitive factor. If we go again into, into what our brain does, it just takes information, frequencies, light, sound, and it just tries to make heads or tails from it. But we have a higher faculty of mind called, one of them is our, intu our, intuition, our intuitive factor. And we can learn to hone that and to really trust that. But a lot of us will, will feel something and we won't, we won't listen. We just won't listen. You mentioned how sometimes we have these beliefs in place that are just not helping us get where we want to go. Mm -hmm. Are there other myths or beliefs um, that are not helping us achieve our potential? Absolutely. One of the beliefs is that we're limited. You know, we're limited in what we can achieve. We're limited because I'm black. We're limited because I'm white. We're limited because I'm male. We're limited because I'm female. We're limited because I'm, I'm heavy, because I'm skinny, because I live in this part of the world or the other part of the world. We've got so many social myths that it's absolutely mind-boggling. One of the things that I always suggest is, do you know somebody who you think may be scholastically smarter than you are but isn't doing as well in one or more areas of life? And we all know somebody who is. And then the other question is, do you know somebody who maybe isn't as smart as you are that's doing better in one or more areas of life? And we all know somebody who is. And so it's not a fact of our social intelligence. Then we've got social intelligence, we've got emotional IQ, which Daniel Gardner came up with. Then we also have spiritual quotient. And that is really our higher self. We're, we're getting a little bit off topic here, but I think that the myth is that we are limited. We are just scratching the surface 
of how powerful we are. And two things are really shaping that. Quantum physics and quantum mechanics, the study of subatomic particles, what's happening in the world that we cannot see, but we know there's things there, things are happening. And what's, what's happening with neuroscience, our brain? What are we learning about perception and behaviors and plasticity and really using our genius? Now, we have incredible potential, and we're just believing that we're limited in what we can achieve. And if you, if you think about what drives what we think, it's our beliefs and our habits that drive our perceptions and behaviors. And so if our beliefs and our habits drive our perceptions and behaviors long-term, by the way, not short-term, short-term you can use willpower and persistence. That's why uh, diets don't work long-term. They work all of them work short-term beautifully. But they don't work long-term because the brain will always revert back to its old way of seeing and behaving. So and to so, summarize this, John, before we open up yeah. the call, because I know our, our listeners are going to have a lot of questions for you. It's a complex topic. But it sounds like uh, we want to use the two systems in the brain that can help our children the most, and, and ourselves too, the psychocybernetic and the reticular right. activation. And regardless of what words we're using here, what we want to do is train our children to decide what it is that they want, to visualize over and over and over repetition, seeing themselves already arising there, already doing that, already having that, already being that, right. and then also to kind of trust that you can attract to yourself from your both from your subconscious and from externally the kind of the information and help that it is that you need. That's exactly. You've got to remember we're living in a universe. Uh, I don't know what you want to call this, whether it's God, whether it's Allah, Buddha, whatever you want to call this, this intelligent universe. It manages seven and a half million species simultaneously. Seven and a half million. It certainly can learn how to help us. It, it knows exactly what to do. Well, John, let's open up and take some questions then, if you will. Sure. Thank you so much for being with us and presenting this information. So, callers, go ahead and come out of the mute mode. Press star six to come out. And let's go ahead and talk with John about this. Um, I tried to uh, simplify what he was saying, too. But go ahead and ask your questions and want to make sure that everyone understands this. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Go ahead. Um, my mind is really spinning by everything that you are talking about. We packed, um, we packed a lot of information in a short period of time here. Yes, and I, you know, I, there's certain things that I'm already kind of doing with my son just from, I think, my gut instinct, things that you're talking about um, with his visualization of where he wants to be in his life. I was wondering if there's a book that you would recommend. There yes, are, please, there John. I, in fact, I meant to do that before I opened up the call. Can you talk about books that you recommend and some of the resources that you have to offer? Um, yeah, if, if anybody wants to get a, uh, get a hold of uh, of my book, it's called The Street Kid's Guide to Having It All, and you can hop onto thestreetkid.com. It was a New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling book two years ago, um, and it's very applicable to your own life and your children's life. Uh, very, very applicable. And it's a very easy read, yeah, too. Very. I can attest to that. Very understandable. That's T-H-E-S-T-R-E-E-T-K-I-D.com. Right. You'll find about all the work that we do there. Um, and so that's one. There's a lot of great books. Um, what I've done, basically, is I, I went back to science to find out what happened to me. And that's where all the answers came from. I really started to realize I was reconditioning and reprogramming my mind. I created something for myself called the Neural Reconditioning Program. And we do this with CEOs. And I thought, you know what, I, I could easily help Rebecca and, and, and anybody with children. I've gone into the... Um, uh, juvenile delinquent system here in California and worked with them and the results have been uh, pretty neat. Uh, and so that's one book and the, the, most of the books that I've read are not for children. They're more, uh, they're more, um, brain based. There's Change Your Brain, Change Your Life by Dr. Daniel Amen, who's really pretty brilliant. If you have any, uh, children with ADD, he's absolutely outstanding, uh, in that field. Uh, Daniel Amen, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. Um, if you want to know about some of the systems of the brain, I would suggest you hop online as well and just and just type in Google for reticular activation system um, uh, and uh, psychocybernetic mechanism, which was coined by uh, Dr. Maxwell Maltz, who was a plastic surgeon that realized even some some patients of his that uh, he had performed severe uh, facial plastic surgery and didn't see any changes. And it goes back to what we're talking about. Is it's not the eyes that see, it's the brain that sees. On a health perspective, there was the book, Your Body Hears Every Word That You Say, too, talking yep. about that mind-body connection. Yep, absolutely. Why you should never say, oh, I'm tired, oh, I'm sick, right. because then you create that. Yeah, exactly right. Caller, did that answer your question? Did that help? Yes, it did. Thank you. 
Any other questions before we let John go and before we sign off for the day? Hello? Yes, hello? Yes, I'm wondering, John, what, can you just tell me quickly, do you have any other specific exercises or affirmations that you use with your children? Um, with my children, the one that we've been using consistently is I'm a genius and I use my wisdom daily. I'm able to achieve anything that I choose. Um, and you, you can create a whole, but those are the ones that I've just, uh, I've just set up with them. And just our dialogue has been such that they know they're capable of achieving whatever they choose. Because I used to play with them when they were kids. I said, you know, when you grow up, what can you do? And they said, whatever we choose, Dad. And we, when we talk about money, I said, how much money can you afford, can you make when you're old? It says, however much we choose, Dad. And don't you find that it's helpful, John, too, in working with their children to develop their own affirmations? Absolutely. Because then they have to decide, you know, what, what is important to me? What kind of person do I uh, want to be? Absolutely. You ask them what is it that they'd like, and you create an affirmation and a, and a vision for them. I've never told my child that you're going to be this or you're going to be this. I've always told them you can be, you could be and become whatever you choose to. And I suppose it may, maybe you have a whole list of things that you see every day. It's something like, I'm a warm and friendly person. I'm a, a, able, easily able to achieve the goals I set for myself. Absolutely. You know, I, um, I'm well organized. I'm able to flow through my day uh, effortlessly, attracting who and what I want in life. I, I suppose you just can come through and create a list like that. Absolutely. And what, what I highly recommend you do is take one of your child's favorite pieces of music and have them record their affirmations to their favorite piece of music and let them listen to it before they go to bed every night. Oh, that's right, because that way your system will work at night while you're sleeping. Well, no, it's not. It's actually before they're asleep that you want it working. It's just that little, um, there's different brain waves that are more conducive to learning, to super learning, and as a, that's another whole section, but you, you, right before bed you're in an alpha state, an alpha brainwave state, and that's really more conducive to super learning than your beta state, your awakened focus state. So um, talking to our children about what's important to them, whether it's sports or music, and then they would say something about, you know, I, I love music. I love uh, practicing every day, and I see myself becoming better and better every day, and who knows, one day I may even be a great musician or a great well, athlete or something like that. We, we wouldn't get into who knows, one day I may be. Uh, what you want to do when you're when you condition the mind is stay with what we call positive, positive statements. Yes, or so it would be, if I and if I choose to be. No, no not, not if I choose to be. And I could become a professional at, at will. Uh, at will. Okay. Yeah, you, you, I, I don't know if that's the best statement, but you want to just make it positive. Yes. And With I know that's I so important, too. Very, the thing I'd like to be very, be very, very careful that we don't, uh, that we don't set our, our children up for being a professional athlete or professional musician. Or it, It's wonderful if they're gifted, but if, if you reaffirm that over and over and over again, there can be some ramifications if they don't achieve that. Yes. But when we're dealing with very, very high-level performance, uh, at the world-class level, 99.9% .9 of children won't get there. And so my personal belief is why set up that as a potential downfall if we don't have to? I would just say, I would just keep it as, as honest and pure and simple as possible to their abilities and to their desires. And I uh, suppose it's very important, too, always emphasizing what we want. So we wouldn't say, and I don't want to be poor and I don't want to be fat. Instead, you would say, okay, how can I phrase it in a positive way? I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you can never say something that you don't want. Carla, did that help? Yes, and um, can you just tell me, when you said you use the music with the affirmations, do you have them layered on top of each other so they're listening to that, or do they actually say the affirmations as they're listening to the music? Uh, you, could do, you, you could do both. I actually, uh, I do it for myself personally, for my clients, where we have the affirmations embedded in two ways. One is subliminally, uh, the other is um, right over the music, and specifically we use uh, entrainment music called, uh, whether it's Mozart uh, for us, uh, because it's just the brain waves that, uh, that it elicits. For yeah. children, what I recommend is just get them used to listening to their own music with either their voice or your voice or a voice they like in the background with the affirmations that they can chime into. They'll tend oh. to uh, they'll tend to um, repeat it more often. You think about how fast our kids learn music and lyrics. Yeah, very very fast. And so that's a beautiful idea. Yeah, it's really um, a very very easy to do and a phenomenal idea. And again. If you put it on just before they go to bed as their favorite music and they start to listen to these positive affirmations uh, about being a wonderful brother, being a wonderful sister, loving their family, loving their friends, 
being wonderful citizens, being charitable, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, whether they like it or not, they're going to buy into it. And do they use their own voice, or does the parent you do it? Whatever they like. If your children are old enough to use their own voice, you can create. A, you, can, you can do something fun with them. You can create the affirmations together. You can create. I, I break things up. Yeah, star six there, or yeah. star five. Um, I break them up into different categories in their life. So nutritionally, uh, I enjoy eating healthy foods that to give my body energy. Um, so I don't I don't tell them, and I don't like soda pop. I just don't let, let them have it very often. You know, I uh, I contribute to society and my family in ways that I appreciate and that I'm appreciated. So you can create affirmations like that with your children so that they buy into it, and they can have fun recording it as well. So, again, anytime you can make it fun, we're adding emotion. Anytime you add emotion, you're neurologically wiring in the brain better. Do we ask our children um, how they see themselves as an adult or what kind of career they want to have, or would that be locking them in too much? Um, I would ask them more, what kind of adult would you like to grow up to be? Would you like to be an adult that contributes? Would you like to be an adult that has a lot of self-confidence? Would you like to be an adult that, that people like and love and that, that is loving? And if the answer is yes, then why don't we come up with an affirmation that says, you know what, I am a lovable, um, wonderful contributor to society. People love more, more values and traits rather than specific outcomes. Yes, values and traits, more specific outcomes, especially with children. They don't know yet. Right. That they don't know yet. And even if they say, you know, I want to be a hockey player, next week is a football player. That's right. And so I think, you know, what about just being, I'm an outstanding athlete. One of the rules in our family is around dinner time that uh, no one's allowed to say, I don't like green beans. I said, gosh, you know, one day you like green beans, maybe the next day you do. And if you say, I don't like, well, you just kind of created that forever. So instead they can say, you know, I'm not hungry for green beans tonight, Mom. Yeah. Or I'm not hungry for strawberries. It's just a game we play. Self-talk is very, very, very important. And language is critical uh, when you understand how how the brain, again, how it gets wired, and the wiring doesn't happen based on truth. The wiring happens based on information and repetition and impact of that repetition or that information. And who knew that the words we choose are so important? Critical. Critical, critical, critical. Thank you, caller. I have a couple of questions. I hope I have a couple of answers. <laughs> well, one, are you familiar with the Inner Winner tapes by Dennis Waitley? Uh, Dennis was my neighbor. I know Dennis very well. I love those. Three years ago, I started listening to those, and it really shifted my life. Yeah, Dennis is brilliant. Good. Um, two things beyond that. Um, I wanted to get the quote. I know that you know you may, we make up our own quotes, but your children, you, you have them say, I use my wisdom daily, and I can... I am a genius, and I use my wisdom daily, and I can achieve anything I choose. Okay. And then the last thing... Thank you. Um, that has had a direct, I mean, I can tell you it's had a direct impact on their school. Really? Okay. I mean, direct. That would help me, too, I'm sure. <laughs> it helps me. I use it as well. Right. So that, that brings me to my next question, which, you know, what suggestions do you have for really opening up and increasing the income for anybody, really? But I find that that's definitely something that I need to, to address. Well, first of all, you, you need to understand that money is just an idea. And in the past, you used to use pigs and horses and coins uh, that represented money. There are laws of compensation, uh, and, and people are, are, are programmed to earn a certain level of income based on either their profession, based on their schooling, based on what they've done. If you think about the laws of compensation, which if Rebecca wants, I'll, I'll give you the three quick lines for it. You first have got to ask yourself, you know, number one, you've got to make sure that you have the belief system in place to allow yourself to do what you need to do to earn the income. That's number one. So you have to believe that, you know, I can do it no matter what I need to do. And that money is okay and that you won't become a bad person right. if you receive it's, money. Again, it, it goes back to there's a lot of underlying beliefs as to why people make or don't make money. And, I don't deserve it. Right, I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. It's reserved for other people. It's reserved for men. It's reserved for women with degrees. It's reserved. You can, we come up with a majority, uh, a ton of, of different beliefs. So the first part, and uh, the first part I always work on, is what is the underlying belief? If you want to know what your belief is about money, uh, and this is uh, the only caveat I'll give to you is, is, is in the event that um, you're you're not limited by what you can do right now for psychological or physio physiological reasons. Um, you can be on the internet as a, as a homeschooling mom or homeschooling dad and make $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 a year, a million dollars a year. And so I can show you people who are doing it. So the first part is the belief. The next part is, is there a need in the marketplace for my product or service? 
Thanks, Rebecca. Yeah. Is there a need in the marketplace for my product or service? That's the first question. The next question is, is there, uh, the next question is, how good is my product or service compared to other people who are in the marketplace? And that's not even that important. The third, place, the third piece is what is absolutely critical. What is my ability to get sales and marketing done? Now, I didn't say what is my ability to do selling and marketing. What is my ability to get selling and marketing done on a local, national, or international level? Say those again, John. They're so good. What is my ability to get marketing done? No, all three steps. Can you say all oh, three again? Yeah, the first one is, is there a need for my product or service in the marketplace? Number two, how good is my product or service compared to other people, either locally, nationally, or internationally? And number three, which is the most important part of the whole equation, is my ability to get sales and marketing done. Not my ability to sell and market, but my ability to get it done. And when you can solve question number three, you can make millions and millions of dollars. Now, if your propensity and your genetic makeup is not to understand that or to have a strength there, that's okay. You don't have to. You have to partner up with somebody or barter with somebody or get somebody to do that part of it for you. If you just think of this, whenever I think of this, I think of, of two things. Think of Pet Rock and Hula Hoop. Pet Rock, the guy made millions. Hula Hoop made millions. Why? Because they figured that there may or may not be a need in the marketplace. I wouldn't say it was a need for either one of them, but they figured out how to create one. The product or service wasn't really any better than anything else because it was very duplicatable, but their ability to create a story, a compelling reason for people to buy it was very, very, it was up there with oxygen. And so those are the only three things you need to understand about making money. You will get paid in direct proportion to the number of people that you can get to buy your product or service, period. John, can we have you back to talk more on this topic about how to train your brain to receive the type of income that you want? We certainly can. Well, that would be great. It sure is an issue close to homeschoolers' hearts. Absolutely. And, and again, it's a belief. You know, I'm a homeschooling mom or dad. And uh, then I'm limited to how much I can make. Exactly. Homeschooling parents have a lot of limiting beliefs when it comes to money. Hogwash, hogwash, hogwash. Yes, I sure would love to address that. Yeah, it's a limiting belief. And again, there's a lot of reasons why that belief is there, and that's okay. But we have to be able to abolish it. And and really, knowledge gives us the, 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 the ability to perceive reality differently. That's on your heart. So, so callers, should we let John go and have him come back another time? We can do that. We don't want to let him go. Preferably, no. I <laughs> know. <laughs> it's just so good. So you thought you were tired at the end of the day, but now you're all fired up. <laughs> well, if, you, if there's anything yeah. you should be fired up about, it's really about the potential for greatness within each one of us uh, and, and that we can wire ourselves to a new reality of income, a new reality of health, a new reality of, of education. Uh, one of the things that I'm a proponent of, and uh, we're figuring this out, is, is how to change our school systems so that kids learn. You know, this memorization stuff just doesn't cut the mustard. And we, we've got geniuses in our homes, our little kids, and in our schools, and they're being treated like they just don't know what they're doing. Our brains are just so massively powerful. We've got uh, people, one of my friends, Paul Sheely from Learning Strategies, uh, created a course called Photo Reading. Uh, that I was a uh, participant in just uh, a few weeks ago. It just blows your mind. His partner reads a million and a half words per minute using his photo reading techniques and has 85% recall what he reads. In fact, tomorrow we're interviewing the uh, Guinness Book of World Records holder for speed reading, Howard Berg, yeah, well, who also talks about speed math, speed spelling, yeah. speed writing. It's incredible. Brilliant stuff. Well, John, thank you very, very much for all this information. As you can tell, they don't want to let you go. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. If they, if they want to see more of what we're doing with, with companies, go to cloningofsuccess.com. C-L-O-N-I-N-G-O-F-S-U-C-C-E-S-S dot com. And that's your work with companies. That's my work with individuals, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, um, yeah, people who work for themselves, people who work at home. Uh, they can get a chance to see the work we've done. And, and most importantly, the, the results are what I'm more interested in, is how to apply this information so that you yield better results in your life. And thank you. And we would love to have you come back and speak with us more about um, applying this to our finances. We'll do that another time, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank so you. So callers, go ahead. And I know there's several hundred people on the call, but go ahead and come out of star six so you can say goodbye. And thank you to our guest this last hour, John Asaraf. A-S-S-A-R-A-F, author of The Street Kid, The Street, Street Kid's Guide, and he's available at thestreetkid.com. So here we go. Thank Hi, everybody. You. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
this is the core of it all. Thank Bye, you so much. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a Bye. wonderful week. Bye, Rebecca. Thank you very much, John. Sure appreciate your time. Sure got a lot out of it. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.